Hi, this is Debbie Taylor-Williams. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so glad you're here and pray the Lord will speak to you through this message. Say that with me. Through. Through the apostles. And now look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit can work through you. Just look at your neighbor. Yes. We see the believers experience. Say that word with me. They experience. They experience. They experience the Holy Spirit. Oh, they also experience what? Satan's Influence and the Sanhedrin's jealousy and the Lord's provision in the midst of suffering. And friends, isn't that what life is? Life isn't just one big happy time of rejoicing. Life isn't all suffering. There is a mixture. And we see this and we're learning how to walk out our relationship with Christ in the spirit and in front of others. If you don't have your Bible open yet, open it to Acts 4. We're going to back up a little bit and we're going to see in Acts 4 how the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit back in verse 31. We have to start there. I know your lesson starts with verse 32, but we have to to back up and see where it starts. And it starts with the filling of the Holy Spirit on the believers. And we are also told as a result of them being filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak the word boldly. In verse 32, we start seeing how they are of one heart and one mind. It says the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed anything belonging for his own, but all things were common property. This is not saying it's communism. It's I heard what Pastor one time say, it means communism. They were sharing, they were generous, they were exercising the gift of giving. As you're paying attention to the ways that the Lord is, is revealed, his character, also pay attention to how the early church is using their spiritual gifts because every one of you, just like you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you're a Christian, you also have been given a gift to use amongst us, amongst one another. So pay attention to that. So we see them using that gift of giving, but we also see the gift of evangelism and teaching continuing in verse 33. It says, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon all of them. And, and then you read about Barnabas, didn't you? But there is also a gift, a spiritual gift called the gift of encouragement. That may be your gift, and how important it is for you to use that gift to encourage people in the body of Christ. We see the apostles testify with great power. The Greek word for this word, great, is mega. Mega power. It was great power and abundant grace. It was flowing over. God's grace was flowing over on all. Now in Acts 5, we'll pick up reading there, beginning with verse 1. And pay attention anytime you see that word, but. We're seeing a transition here now from Barnabas, who had the gift of encouragement, and he also had the gift of giving, and he exercised both those gifts. Now we read, but a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his possible knowledge. 
And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. He is doing exactly what Marcus did. He's doing exactly what others who had given did. You see repeatedly they would go and they would take the proceeds from their sale of the land or whatever, and they would lay them at the apostles' feet. In other words, it's yours to decide what to do with it. It had no strings attached. But it says with his possible knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Oh, ladies, this is just so amazing because now we see Peter use the gift of discernment. Do any of you have that gift of discernment? The gift of discernment is when you are able to distinguish between, you're able to distinguish between. And it's, it's a powerful gift and it needs to be exercised in the body of Christ. You need to use your gift of discernment. If you're voting on something or a church meeting, and it seems like everybody is saying yes, but the Holy Spirit in you is telling you no, don't vote yes just to hold your hand up. We need to each use our gift of discernment, all the more as the days grow evil. So here we see Peter beginning to use that gift in verse 3. But Peter, and we have a standoff now between the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and Peter, and Satan. We are having a standoff. Ananias, we're going to see, is filled that Satan has filled his heart, and we have Peter, and the Holy Spirit has filled his heart, and it is boom, these two men. And Ananias thinks that he's not going to be found out because he's got a whole heap of money he's putting there. And friends, you, you, even though you may not know it, there are times that you are going to be faced with Satan. Faced with the devil, faced with spiritual forces of evil. And just like Peter didn't believe it when Jesus told him that Satan was going to sift him like wheat, he didn't think that little girl by the fire, that servant, who said, weren't you with Jesus? And he said, no. That was Satan sifting Peter like wheat. So you don't know what form it's going to come in. It's not, may not come. He's not going to come with horns in the devil's outfit like cartoon characters make it appear. So you need to be you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that when something comes at you, you are able to distinguish is what this person is saying to me true or is this not true? You you and I should never, never answer the phone, answer an email, walk out the door. Have, a, have a, a conversation with somebody until we have made sure that we have laid aside our carnal nature and we have prayed for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives because words matter. From people coming at us and from the ones that we speak to them. So here we have Satan and the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? You're the man, but Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. It's a lot of the Holy Spirit in him. And to keep back some of the price of the land. And now Peter explains. He explains. 
He says, will it remain unsold? Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, to these people standing around here, acting like you brought it all, and you didn't. He said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus said, if you do it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me? You and I need to remember that we are called in the Bible fellow heirs of the grace of God. We are all going on our way to heaven, and how you and I treat each other is seen by God. If you've attended my private passion conference, I've shared that. And so we see here, we know, we know what happened. The problem wasn't that he didn't give more money. The problem was that he lied to God. He was pretending to be something he wasn't. He was a hypocrite. This word conceived, if he asked him, he says, why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? It means, why have you purposed to be or oneself to be a certain way? So this was not off the cuff of his head. He decided, oh, I'm going to keep back this extra love. It was planned. So let's look at the result that came, because you know what happened. His wife, Ananias, fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. But the young men got up, covered him up, and carried him out. They buried him. There elapsed about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded. He gave her a, cho a chance. He gave her a chance to tell the truth. Tell me whether you sell the land for such and such a price. And she said, foolish woman, that she was. She had chosen to obey her husband rather than God. Yes, we are to be submissive to our spouse, just like we are supposed to be submissive to one another in the, in the Lord, just like the Lord submitted himself. But if a husband asks his wife to do something, it is a sin. You are not required to be submissive to a spouse or any other person to sin. And he, God, held her accountable. Peter confronted her on it. And Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? And you know that she immediately fell at his feet. And again, we see this word right there. Again, came on all. And at the hands of, men, of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. Verse 12, and here we see again their meeting in Solomon's portico. But we see other people didn't want to associate with them out of fear, but they held them in great esteem. And we see more believers coming. And if you had a question about how some of them even came to be laid in the shadow of Peter, that wasn't superstition. That was that was them coming because it, in my understanding and interpretation, they were coming because they had heard the name of Jesus Christ dead, resurrected, after being crucified, and they were coming in faith, believing in his name. And so I, I don't think that needs to be a cause of confusion. We see multitude believed. Now I want us to look at the difference, and I keep drawing these contrasts for you between Holy Spirit and Satan and how they are working, and I want us to look at the contrast again of the believers and Ananias and Sapphira. And some have said, well, were they really believers? 
Were they weak among the tares, or were they simply carnal Christians? The Bible doesn't spell that out. What we see is accountability to God, and the scripture does say they were filled with Satan's spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit. They lied to the Holy Spirit God, and they died. Right there, they tested the Holy Spirit, which we are not to test God. Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness? And he responded one time by saying, Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Well, somebody had gotten that message, apparently, to the church. But the church soon learned this. We are not to put God to the test. We're not to see how far and how long we can keep going on sinning without there being a consequence because the scripture says your sin will find you out. And God has known all along. Some sins are secret sins, some sins are public sins, but regardless, your sin will find you out. So we see this first point on your listening guide. The church, Christ's body of believers, flourishes with spiritual believers, but death sets in when we allow sin to flourish. We are each accountable for our own lives. Am I pure and holy? No. In Jesus, but no. I have sin in my life, but I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to be praying about it. I'm going to be repenting of it. I'm going to be addressing it. And if you have a stronghold of sin, get you an accountability partner and say, I need to confide in you. I have this, and I need prayer support, and I need help. It's much too serious a matter to ignore. Acts 5, 1 through 11 is a wake-up call. God is holy. Say that word with me, holy. He said, it's the Holy Spirit. You have lied to God. And so we see we must guard our hearts and not sin against the Holy Spirit. Read that last word with me in verse 3. Lying is a sin. Read it out loud with me. Lying is a sin. Say it again louder. Lying is a sin. Is our nation lying Many, many people in our nation and world are lying. It's not okay. We need to teach our children. Three, we must not put the spirit to the test. Four, Jesus is the truth. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. That's why Jesus and God hate lying. We don't want to be reflecting Satan, the father of lies. We want to be truth speakers because we are truth seekers. Our fifth point is we can learn and distinguish. This is the, the spirit of discernment. We can learn and distinguish between the spirit's voice and Satan's voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So we can learn to distinguish. The principle is, and I keep giving you this same principle, the more we know God's word, the more we can want. Distinguish his voice. God's voice spoke in the Old Testament, Exodus 20. And he said, this is what's holy and this is what's not holy. And he gave us those ten commandments. Now when Jesus came, he said, what's the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Oh, good. We don't have to worry about the ten commandments anymore, Right? And he said, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he added this little addendum. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So there you go. There you go. 
He didn't get rid of his holy righteous commandments in the way and giving us what is holy and what is sin. He didn't get rid of them. He summed them up, but they are still important. So we need to guard and watch over your heart, as Proverbs 4, 2 says. Now, a Satan-filled heart, this word filled, is a word ruo, and it means to pervade, to take possession of one's heart. Satan had taken possession of Ananias' heart. But that same Greek word is used in Ephesians 5, 18, where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this word means to be filled with everything God wills. It is used of those who will nothing but what God wills. Oh, make sure you get that. I'm giving you the Greek because there's so many different words. And when you go and you look them up, and I'm doing my Greek word study, you have to understand the way that Verb is and word is being used in that particular instance. Do you remember when Jesus was asked to teach us to pray and he said in there, Thy will be done? Remember? He was teaching us to pray for God's will to be done. Do you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26? When he said, is there another way on his face before the Lord? And he said, but not my will, but yours be done. That is being filled with the Holy Spirit. You want nothing more than God's will to be done in your life. Do you want that? Do you want that? We need to understand Satan is real. He's evil. He's a stumbling block to Christ's work. This is all in your listening eyes. He roams the earth seeking someone to devour. Peter is now in his letter, labeled First Peter, he is now warning other believers. He's, he's, he with Jesus after he had said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus affirmed and said, Earth did not reveal this to you, but heaven, my Father above, revealed to you who I am. And then Peter spoke against Jesus when he told them that he was going to the cross. And he said, God forbid that you go to the cross. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. You see, Jesus doesn't have any trouble identifying Satan. And then Peter had to go through the hard trial of not thinking he would ever deny Jesus. I've denied Jesus. But, and Peter learned it's possible to believe in Jesus and then to not stand up for him or, or to be more mindful of self than him. We've all probably denied Jesus in some way. We need to be honest. We can come in here and be honest with each other, okay? It's okay. I said last week we're all broken. And I will love you and your brokenness, and I ask you to love me and my brokenness. Can we do that? I need you to say yes, because I'm rubber. <laughs> but but Peter now is is he knows firsthand about Satan. So he's talking about Satan. He's identifying Satan and he's warning us about Satan. He has a domain of darkness, Colossians 1 And Christ has won the battle over him at the cross and resurrection. His end is a lake of fire. Praise God. 
Now, I want us to look very quickly at this progression of sin as a warning to you and me. We have a carnal nature. Our carnal nature doesn't disappear when we accept Christ. It's going to disappear when we're raptured or we are in Christ's presence. But our carnal nature is still in us. David Guzik, who's a Bible commentator, has said this. Would you read this aloud with me? Satan can influence the life of a believer, even a spirit-filled believer. Oh, stop right there. That scares me to death. But is it true? Yes, it is. Let's keep going. But he can't do your sinning for you. Is that brilliant or what? He has to use your body. He has to use your mouth. Just the same way Jesus does. Just the same way Jesus does it for seeing. So let's watch and let's get real educated here on this progression of sin so that we can stand against it. Satan lies and he influences our carnal nature. We can either stop it, but if we don't, then we can think, well, you know, that is a good idea. That is a good idea. And that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. That is a good idea to keep back just a little bit in case of a rainy day. That is a good idea for me, even though I have an addiction, to just go ahead and engage in this one time because I can get back and get straight. Uh, this is a good idea. It would be better for me to lie than hurt this person's feelings. And so instead of telling the truth, I'm going to. So our mind conceives a plan, and then Satan fills our heart to carry it out. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That is what you need to do. And then we act. We act of our own will, of our own free will. This is a dangerous progression. The principle that we see is the Holy Spirit works through people for eternal life, and Satan works through people for death. Be on your guard. How does Satan influence? You know he's coming at people through music. He's coming at people through, and through cartoons. This little demon is a, courtesy of Walt Disney, a series that mocks Christianity. It, used, it includes the use of the F word, full frontal female nudity, mutilation, dismemberment, thwart, crude and vulgar references to male genitalia, and praise of the satanic and demonic world. All airing, where not just adults can see it. Last night, my husband and I were horrified watching uh, Tucker Carlson tonight. And I don't know your political views, and this is not a political comment, it is a moral comment. And it showed how in the Dallas Plano area, I believe it was Plano, uh, that, that transgenders were dancing and, and vulgar movements where mothers had taken their children to see it. And they were they were doing vulgar dance movements in these kids' faces. And it, uh, friends, it is just, it is a scary time. Satan's not hiding. If somebody wanted pornography back in my parents' day, they had to go and get it behind a something. It's, it, it's a difficult time. But God has you in the year, planted here right now for this day. This is our hour. Say it with me. This is our hour. This is our hour. It's not a mistake. Now, as we look at not only, and I didn't want to say the doctrine of Satan, but it is. It's the doctrine of Satan that I gave you those points, and there's so many more, but we don't have time for them. 
But the teaching, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity. You know that, but please begin referring to him as he. He is a one of the Godhead. He, do not refer to him as it. Now that may be a habit, and so you may find yourself doing it, but he is not an object. He is a person, one of the three persons of the Holy Spirit. Jesus always referred to him as he, when he comes, when he comes. Say it with me, he. He, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' spirit. In Luke 21, 15, Jesus said, when they bring you before courts and kings, I will give you utterance. Who was Peter speaking before? Who were the two? And it's Jesus' spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit. It's the spirit of the Lord. Number five, the Holy Spirit is Christ's gift to a believer. I've shared this with you. The Holy Spirit is a seal for the promise of what is to come, that our day of redemption is like a wedding ring. A husband proposes and he gives his wife a wedding ring, an engagement ring. It's a promise of what is to come. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so we can go ahead now and start experiencing power. We can now. Go ahead and start experiencing peace. We can now go ahead and start experiencing forgiveness when we repent of our sin. It's, a, it's an engagement gift for the wedding feast because he calls us his bride. Does that make you so excited? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time occurrence. The filling of the Holy Spirit is to be continually repeated. A believer is to continually live filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a command in Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Spirit, and it needs to make it your habit, to make it your lifestyle, not you're a grumpy old lady or a grumpy young lady. That's just your, your, your nature. No, you have a new nature. Ananas and Sephora, not a big deal, right? They gave. Very big deal. They lied. They tested God. We learned from Ananas and Sephora, terrible Life is a terrible thing to waste. They had money, they were married, they had relationships, and they had time until, until sin brings death. Barnabas, who freely gave, was free to go and encouraged believers. Ananias and Sapphira, dead. You want to be used by God? Do you want to live, be used by God? This is your hour. Very quickly, we just see this. The apostles, they were ordered to go and stand and speak the message of this life in verse 20, and I love that. And the Sanhedrin, as you know, when they were jailed, they were filled with not the Holy Spirit, with jealousy. They used their hands to jail. They were afraid of the multitudes. They flogged the apostles in contrast to the apostles being freed by the angel of the Lord. And they were ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus. So you know that Peter is jailed. Okay? And, and so it says, but, but verse 19 during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go, 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 stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, I love it, they entered at daybreak. They didn't pedal around. They didn't say no next time. 
we might get it back coming to us. No, they were there at daybreak. And upon hearing this, the high priest and his associates came and, and they called them together with orders for, the, for them to be brought to them. But the officers came and did not find them in prison and they returned and reported back. Verse 23, we found the prison house locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we found no one inside. I just love that Jesus called an angel. Now go ahead and unlock the door and open it up and get them out. But just to pull a good one on them, lock it back before you leave. <laughs> Jesus has a sense of humor. You have to know that. He gave us a voice to laugh. He had them lock that back up instead of leaving it standing open or unlocked. He had them lock it back up so that they were just puzzled and confused. How did they get out? How did they get out? Because they were flesh and blood. And they were standing now in the temple area, again, teaching and preaching. Now over here with this Gamaliel, I want us to just very quickly see in verses 33 and following, when they were so jealous that Gamaliel spoke up and he gave them this plan, let them alone, verse 38, if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found to be fighting against God. The apostles said, we must obey God. And they suffered flogging. And then you see that after they suffered flogging, they went, verse 41, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. I'm going to pray the end of that prayer, Philippians 3.10. Lord, I want to know the fellowship of your son. Because that is part of the Christian walk. It's part of the Christian life. And we need to be willing to also pray that prayer. Not, Lord, just go be with your Holy Spirit. So I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness in me. But we need to also be willing to say, and I want to know the fellowship of your suffering. You might be fighting God, he said. He didn't need to say you might be fighting God. He had just seen Peter and the, the apostles taken out of the prison with the door locked behind. He had already seen the miracle. They know they're fighting God. They're denying it. God wins. Peter over Ananias and Sapphira, the apostles over the Sanhedrin, and God will win over your struggle. Trust him, look to him, obey him, live for him, ask him to be, to fill you and be the influencer of your life. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7, says that the Holy Spirit is a treasure in believers. We are earthen vessels. Will you live for him? Will you let him work through you? Heavenly Father, uh, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your witnesses. Let us go from here as your witnesses. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about how to grow in Christ or to be saved, visit www.debbietaylorwilliams.com. Connect with me on Instagram at Debbie Taylor Williams. God bless you.